listening to WLPN 105.5 FM Chicago, and you're listening to Labor Express Radio, which calls only labor news and current affairs radio program. News for working people by working people. I'm your host, Jerry Mead Lucero, and this is the Sunday, October 7th, 2023 edition of Labor Express. It's hard not to be excited about what the UAW strike has seemingly already accomplished. The strike is not won yet, and it's advisable to withhold final judgment until it has. But if the gains continue to grow as the strike enters its fourth week, this very well could turn out to be the most significant strike in this country of the 21st century. It's also hard not to be impressed by the leadership of Sean Fain. Whereas Sean O'Brien and the Teamsters captured the media's attention more following the election of the Reform Caucuses in both the Teamsters and the UAW in the last two years, and as the uh, both unions geared up for the potentially game-changing contract fight, the way the Teamsters contract victory came with a whimper compared to the roar of this UAW strike has surprised many and raised fame to the lead of the reinvigorated labor movement in this country. It's a complicated situation and perhaps unfair in many ways to compare these situations, but whereas the Teamsters' victory was an important benchmark in what will hopefully be a turning point in the pushback against concessionary bargaining, it appears that it is the UAW that is likely to be the real game-changer. Case in point, on Friday, UAW President Fain announced the strike would continue, but that no new plants would walk out. Part of the rationale for this was the further improvements in contract negotiations, including the stunning announcement that GM had agreed to include its battery plant workers in the union's national labor agreement. This is truly groundbreaking, as the UAW recognizes the writing on the wall in terms of the electrification of the auto industry, and has made insisting on a just transition part of their long-term strategy. Many pundits have written the union's obituary as the auto industry has been pursuing non-union plants to develop its electric car production. Indeed, the announcement by Fain came less than 10 days after the failed former president and sexual predator Donald Trump added to this chorus by visiting a non-union Michigan auto plant and telling the handful, if that, of UAW members that reportedly attended that their strike was for naught because electric vehicles and his bizarre rationale are inherently non-union. Well, it appears that the UAW has called Trump's bluff and added unionization of electric vehicle production to its list of wins in this strike. So we're going to start off tonight's program with Sean Fain's announcement on Friday of this historic development. Later, we'll hear from striking UAW members at Chicago's Ford Assembly Plant, which joined the strike a little over a week ago. In the second half of tonight's program, we'll hear from the ongoing efforts of the Teamsters riding high from their UPS victory to organize at Amazon, which, if it eventually succeeds, could rival the history-making precedent of the UAW strike. But first, UAW President Sean Fain from his latest weekly Facebook Live strike update. It's happened again. Moments before this broadcast, we have had a major breakthrough that has not only dramatically changed negotiations, but it's going to change the future of our union and the future of our industry. We were about to shut down GM's largest moneymaker in Arlington, Texas. The company knew those members were ready to walk immediately. And just that threat has provided a transformative win. GM has now agreed in writing to place their electric battery manufacturing under our national master agreement. We've been told for months that this is impossible. We've been told the EV future must be a race to the bottom. And now we've called their bluff. What this will mean for our membership cannot be understated. The plan was to draw down engine and transmission plants and permanently replace them with low-wage battery jobs. We had a different plan, and our plan is winning at GM. And we expect it to win at Ford and Stellantis as well. So today, we're going to give you some updates on the state of bargaining. If it wasn't clear already, things move fast. It's hard to give an update that won't be obsolete by the time the update's done. So here's a snapshot and a punchline. Here's the snapshot GM has been falling behind. Today, under the threat of a major financial hit, they leapfrogged the pack in terms of a just transition. And here's the punchline. Our strike is working, but we're not there yet. Everything we've done to this point has been with one goal in mind, to win a record contract that reflects the Big Three's record profits and the historic sacrifices our members have made to generate those profits. We've been very public about our demands 
and about our expectations and about our priorities. Everybody and their brother knows that we've been fighting for economic justice, for a just transition, for cost of living allowance, for meaningful wage increases, for retirement security, to end tears, and to win work-life balance and more. I wish I were here to announce a tentative agreement at one or more of these companies, but I do want to be really clear. We are making significant progress. In just three weeks, we have moved these companies further than anyone thought was possible. So let's take a look at where things started and where we are now. Looking at wages, our first wage proposal from the companies was a 9% raise from Ford. Now, with members standing up everywhere, three weeks into the strike, our top offer is 23% from the same company. That's two and a half times higher than they started. It's not where we need to be, but it's a hell of a lot further along. Both GM and Stellantis are behind Ford at around 20%, and we think they can catch up and then some. Looking at cost of living allowance, we heard for years that cost of living allowance was a thing of the past and we'd never get it back, that we couldn't go back to a cost of living adjustment formula that protected against the worst of inflation. Suddenly, three weeks into our stand-up strike, we've got two of the big three automakers committed to returning to our 2007 cost of living formula. Ford and Stellantis have agreed to reinstate cost of living allowance and GM isn't far behind, and we're gonna get them there. Looking at temps, you know, let's talk about the temps who have been abused and exploited by the big three for way too long. This part of the workforce used to be a small group used only to cover for short periods. Now, they're an entire subsection of our union who have very few rights, low pay, and no certainty with their future. In three weeks, We've won raises for temps to $20 an hour at GM and Stellantis and $21 an hour at Ford. All three have made commitments around converting temps, but there's still a lot of work to be done, both on the wages and the conversions. Still, we're making big strides that will end up changing the lives of thousands of our members. When it comes to wage progression, you know, it's another serious area of progress that we've been working on, and that's looking at the progression it takes to get the full pay. Going into these negotiations, it took eight years for workers to make it up to top rate. Taking almost a decade to get to the top wage is unacceptable. Since the Great Recession, the length of the progression has reduced the quality of life for tens of thousands of UAW members. We have cut that timeline down to three years at Ford, while GM and Stellantis are still behind at four-year progressions. We need to keep pushing, but it means that all those temps we convert will go from second-class citizen to top rate well within the life of this contract. That's a big deal. Looking at profit sharing, all three companies wanted concessions on profit sharing, and we said, hell no. Not only did we beat back Ford's concessionary profit-sharing formula, we made enhancements. We have also successfully beat back the concessionary demands being made by GM and Stellantis. Looking at job security, two weeks ago, we let Ford off the hook in our strike expansion because they agreed to some core job security proposals, like the right to strike over plant closures which our union has never had. Last week at the last minute, Stellantis agreed to the right to honor picket lines and made other important moves on job security. And now today, because of our power, GM has agreed to lay the foundation for a just transition. Looking at skilled trades, all the big three wanted to, to do was give little or nothing. We're fighting for a $2 an hour tool allowance. Now, thanks to our stand-up strike strategy, Ford has given up a $1.50 tool allowance. Stellantis has given up a dollar an hour. But GM is still refusing to budge. Looking at retirement security, 
Finally, we're still fighting hard to win retirement security for both our pre-2007 and post-2007 hires. For those members who still have a pension, we know you've gone far too long without an increase, and we're pushing hard to change it. For those members who never got a pension or post-retirement health care, we're fighting like hell for real retirement security. But the companies are fighting like hell to keep our retirement uncertain and insecure. As people who give their lives to these companies, we never should have lost those rights. This strike is about righting the wrongs of the past and winning justice for all of our members. I also want to lift up one major change from the past in this round of negotiations when we're talking about the subcommittees that bargain a lot of this stuff. For the first time, we're on track to get all of our subcommittee issues addressed. Subcommittees cover everything from work rules to discipline to scheduling. They include demands and proposals our members submit in advance of bargaining. The demands we debate over at our special bargaining convention. In the past, these demands a lot of times were simply shut down when it was time to settle the contract and many of those issues were ignored. This time around, all of our subcommittees are being seriously addressed and we've made a ton of progress in these areas. We're doing things differently and we're getting results. So that's where we are on some of our core bargaining priorities. But here's the bottom line. We are winning. We are making progress and we are headed in the right direction. And what has moved the needle is our willingness to take action, to be flexible, to be aggressive when we have to, and to be strategic. Throughout this strike, I've been heartened to see our members talking about and debating our strategy. We're thinking together about the core question of the labor movement. How do working class people build the power we need to win what we deserve? So let's talk strategy. I want to be clear on one thing. Our goal throughout this process has always been to win a record contract. Our mission as your elected leadership is to fight like hell for the best possible deal. We don't strike for the hell of it. We know what it's like to hold a picket sign at 3 a.m. We know what it's like to be unsure when you'll get a real paycheck. The CEOs are trying to trivialize our strike, and they're saying it's just theatrics. You know what? Yeah, we're loud, and we're proud about our fight. We want the public to understand our fight and to side with us, as poll after poll shows they do. But it's not about theatrics. It's about power. The power we have is working-class people. We've shown the big three that we're not afraid to use it. And we have shown the big three that we are ready for a record contract when they are. Theatrics don't cause companies to agree to double-digit pay increases. Theatrics don't result in a right to strike over plant closures. Theatrics don't win cost of living allowance. Theatrics don't result in GM battery cell manufacturing to be under our national agreement. Strikes and the threat of strikes by a unified membership are what delivers. Our goal here is not just to pound the table and show management how angry we are, and we are angry. Our members are angry, and they should be. We've made that crystal clear to these companies at the bargaining table, and that anger has moved these companies to a point. But our goal is not just to get mad and shut it all down. Our goal is to outsmart and outorganize corporate America. I'm reminded of the words of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. reflecting on the UAW of a former generation when Dr. King said, power is the ability to achieve purpose. Power is the ability to affect change and we need power. So what is power? Walter Ruther once said that power is the ability of a labor union like the UAW to make the most powerful corporation in the world, General Motors, say yes when it wants to say no. That's power. And I'll tell it to you straight. The billionaires and company executives 
think us auto workers are just dumb. They think we don't get it. They think we only understand the power of a supervisor yelling at us or an assembly line coming at us. They look at me and they see some redneck from Indiana. They look at you and see somebody they would never have over for dinner or let ride on their yacht or fly on their private jet. They think they know us, but us auto workers know better. We may be foul-mouthed, but we're strategic. We may get fired up, but we're disciplined. And we may get rowdy, but we're organized. Not everything is about pulling out the bazooka. We've been very careful about how we escalate this strike, and we have designed this strategy to increase pressure on the companies, not to hurt them for its own sake, but to move them, to get them to say yes when they want to say no. And today is a perfect example of that. We know their pain points, we know their money makers, and we know the plants they really don't want to see struck. And they know we've got more cards left to play. We're not going to let one company fall behind and wait for movement at another table. We're not going to let them sit back and lowball us while others make progress. We expect results at every company, and we've been crystal clear about how you catch a strike and how you avoid one. Two weeks ago, Ford agreed to some core job security proposals, showing us they were ready to bargain. Last week, Stellantis did the same thing. And this week, GM did something that was unthinkable until just today. They agreed to put the future of this industry under our national agreement. This victory is a direct result of the power of our membership. It's your willingness to stand up when called. It's your commitment to winning what you are owed. The companies see it. The world sees it. And today, I was ready to call on one of GM's biggest and most important plants to stand up. And it was that threat that brought GM to the table. The big three know we're not messing around, and they know if they want to avoid further strikes, then they'll have to pony up. And I've heard members who want to bring down the hammer, strike all the truck plants, hit the big three where it hurts, and there is a time and place for that. And believe me, if the big three don't continue to make progress, that time's going to be coming real soon. We're not going to wait around forever. We're not here to start a fight. We're here to finish one. And to our counterparts at the big three, we'll see you at the bargaining table. Tomorrow, we're going to join our striking union family out in Chicago for a stand-up rally. Today, we made GM say yes when they'd rather say no. Next up is Ford and Stellantis and three record contracts. Thank you. I should note, too, that uh, Sean Fame made that uh, incredible announcement wearing a Eat the Rich t-shirt as well, so very interesting. You're listening to Labor Express Radio News for Working People by Working People. The Friday before last, workers at the Chicago Ford Assembly Plant on the city's far south side joined their fellow auto workers on strike in the latest expansion of the strike to more sites. Labor Beat cameraman and Labor Express radio contributor Gary Brooks visited the very noisy strike line and captured the feelings of several of the strikers amidst the many honking horns of the supportive public driving by, starting with striker Aaron Harris. We're striking for a better contract. Uh, we're basically given a two-tier system. We don't want that. We're trying to get increase in wages for our retirees. There's a couple other things. Uh, right now they're talking about uh, 6% raise. We're asking for at least 30. And right now they're in uh, talks right now, I think about 23 right now, so we're, we're doing pretty good. Looking for 25, at least 25. I think they've been treating us pretty rough, uh, considering that the last time that we had a raise was in 2007, and the last time that we had COLA was in 2007 as well. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Sean Fan is definitely doing his thing, trying to uh, make it work out for the, for the better person right now. You bring back everything they took away. No deal, no wheels. You hear it straight from the front of the training center. We out here. Support us. 
have our back because we're going to build the best cars that you're going to have. Ford. Well, you like working for Ford? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Why do you like working at Ford? Well, the insurance package I do enjoy, but I like working at Ford because of the morale and the uh, workforce that we do have. We do have strong people, which, like they slogan out, we built for a tough. You gotta make it through the trials to go and make it last. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, well, how do you feel about the pay? Well, right now, the pay for what we do and how for what we do and what we have to do, the pay could be increased. Like, like, honestly, myself, I build a car that I can't even afford. You know, and with me building a car that I can't afford, I don't feel like, I, you don't feel obligated to build something that you can't have. So it's like, if I can afford it without pay, and then you'll put more, more uh, love into the car, basically. Uh, solidarity. We're going to go all the way. We're going to all be together and we're going to help take care of each other out here. Okay. So, uh, how's the morale? As you can see, <laughs> the morale is great. And then you're seeing people that you haven't seen from ships that got bumped. So now you're seeing your old friends again. So, the morale is great out here. Okay, so you're willing to take it as far as you can? Yep. Heard anything going on between the contracts? Uh, slight bits and pieces here that Ford has been giving in and stuff. So, as you see, the uh, international president didn't close any plants this week. So that's a progress right there that's showing that we're moving ahead. Uh, we just want to show our solidarity to our uh, fellow UAW brothers and sisters. Um, the, you know, we fighting for. You know, just what's fair. You know, we're not asking for nothing more than what's fair. You know, we get up, work hard every day. I mean, we building cars that, you know, majority of us working probably couldn't even afford. You know, so I mean, that just says a, a lot right there. You know, so we just, you know, nothing more, nothing less. We just want what's right, what's fair, and what we deserve at the end of the day. So you love your job? I mean, I do. I mean, I, I, I really do. Um, it's it's affording me um, to, you know, deliver a, a, a life that, you know, is, is comfortable, but it, it it's always could be better, you know, um, depending that they, you know, give us what, what we're asking for. And that's just really, you know, what it's all about. It's, you know, just what's fair. Um, we, we work really, really hard. Um, and that's pretty much it. You know, those, that, that's one of the things that we fighting for too. I mean, coming in, temps, you know, they put in the same amount of hard work as, as, as everyone else, you know, and, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, like as far as temps go, it's, you know, I just wanted to be like, you know, fair for them as well. You know, because like I say, they put in a, a, a lot of the same amount of hard work and leg work as everyone else. So, I mean, hand in tears would be, you know, a phenomenal thing. I mean, Okay, how long have you been uh, here? Uh, this is my fourth year, so this is my first contract period. You know, um, so I too was, you know, one of the people that was in the same position as the temps that, that we're fighting for. So, you know, um, so I just want to see it get, you know, better for them, just like, you know, the last contract made it a little bit better for uh, myself and the people that started with me and you know moving forward in the future we just want to you know keep things improving and, and, and getting better for, for everyone in the future you know this is really a you know if, if done the right way um, this could be a you know for it is a you know could be something that changes a lot of people's lives thank you appreciate it thank you I feel like the company should come on and settle with us and keep us from standing out here looking crazy on this here uh, 
rainy and cold weather days and uh, give us what we deserve. It's time to give back everything they took. That means um, increasing wages, mm -hmm. cola, get rid of the two tiers, uh, temporary workers turned over within 90 days. Well, what do you mean by turned over? You mean made part of the made them Made them full-time workers. Don't keep them working for years as temps. Make them uh, full-time workers because all of this here, temporary work and tears is only keeping us divided. And we shouldn't work as divided as, as uh, divided UAW members. Okay. We should all work together. So uh, from what I gather, uh, uh, everyone seemed to love working here. Yes, Ford is a great place to work for. So we need to work for Amer the American dream, better wages. Give them back everything they took, you know? That means give back the retirees, Pensions, increase in pensions, and and the only way I would want my children to work here is that they work at a decent wage. I don't want my kids working here because this is hard labor. People may think that this job is easy, but this job is not easy. You come out of here bent over, broke down, and people shouldn't come out of here bent over and broke down for pennies. Make it worth our while. Okay. How long have you worked here? I worked here for 12 years. 12 years? Yes. To give us back what they took because we have a new chief uh, in control and he's not standing down. So stand up and give us what we need. Okay, well, when you talk about uh, give back, uh, you're referring to the fact that uh, for the last, what, seven years you have not gotten a, a decent increase or. Uh, Last 12 years. Oh, excuse me, last 12 years. Yes. Whereas the company uh, got uh, government money to stay. Yes, uh, they've been afloat. subsidized by the government, which is a shame, and they're making billions of dollars. Why they need government subsidy? Okay, thank you. Can you tell me uh, about the pension? Yeah, they took the pension away. I believe in 2008, and we would like to see the pension return. You know, because the pension is better than the 401k. So the pension is something that we can almost guarantee as we retire. And the 401k, I believe it fluctuates with, you know, the market. Okay, so you, you were here uh, for 12 years. So you were, how did you feel when they took it away? Well, I was just coming in, so it was just, they took it away as soon when I came here. So I never had an opportunity to get a pension. How did they ever get co-workers here? Well, they wanted that pension back. And just like the retirees, I'm sure they want uh, an increase in pay, because they said they haven't had an increase, I believe, in 17 years. So they, they deserve an increase in pay because they paved the way for us. So, is the pension a major key point? It's one of the key points. Hey, we have to stay out here a year, we'll stay out here a year. Because if we go down, you go down for it. Jim and Stellantis. When I drove for it, I don't want to be insulting, but when I drove for it, I was surprised the quality. How it felt, how it rolled, and how it seamlessly integrated with my phone. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, thank the UAW. Thank the UAW. <laughs> because we make it happen. That's us, UAW. Thank you to Gary Brooks for those voices from the picket line at the Chicago Ford Assembly Plant. He's currently working on a video on the strike line, and when it's available, we'll have it linked up at laborexpress.org. You're listening to Labor Express Radio, which calls only labor news and current affairs radio program. We need to make a brief station ID break, but when we return, the Teamsters take on Amazon, so make sure to stay tuned. You're listening to Labor Express Radio, which calls only labor news and current affairs radio program. 
One of the hoped for outcomes of the Teamsters contract fight with UPS was that a successful strike or a major contract victory at UPS would encourage workers at Amazon, one of UPS's major competitors in the logistics industry, to organize and finally succeed in overcoming Amazon's ability to suppress workers' right to join a union. The contract victory at UPS with its rejection of concessions but only moderate gains, especially for part-timers, left many wondering if it was enough to inspire Amazon workers the way many had hoped. Well, at least to hear the Teamsters tell it, it just might have. 84 Amazon delivery drivers voted to unionize last April at the Palmdale, California Distribution Center months before the Teamsters contract victory at UPS. Amazon responded in true Amazon fashion by canceling its contract with the distribution site, effectively firing the drivers. But these drivers are not giving up without a fight, and they are being joined by workers inside the warehouses as they continue a pressure campaign on the company. The union has taken on a somewhat unique strategy of extending its Palmdale picket line to other distribution centers around Southern California. On Friday, September 29th, they took the picket line to a distribution warehouse connected to the San Bernardino Airport in San Bernardino, California. And these are militant picket lines, hundreds of workers and their supporters largely shutting down traffic in and out of the facility for most of the day. That is until police took several picketers hostage to force the pickers to disperse and allow trucks through, a tactic they've been employing with increased frequency in response to these pickets. Meanwhile, inside the facility, warehouse workers presented the company with a list of their own demands. The workers in this particular warehouse have already learned the benefit of fighting back. Several previous rallies and walkouts have seemingly resulted in this warehouse seeing larger-than-average annual wage increases compared to similar facilities. Management is clearly hoping that the extra $0.25 an hour that they've given these resistive workers will be enough to buy them off from continued agitation. That has clearly not worked, and evidence suggests that their past gains coupled with the UPS victory is spurring these workers on to further organizing. I was able to talk to two representatives of the Teamsters Union at the picket line outside the San Bernardino warehouse on the 29th. Both talked about how the UPS contract has inspired more organizing at Amazon. They also talked about the way Amazon as a company impacts the economy as a whole, especially communities like those in the Inland Empire of Southern California, where increased pollution and low wages are a result of a massive expansion of Amazon facilities. During our conversations, you can hear the sound of idling trucks as an increasing number of them lined up down the drive and along the highway blocked by the boisterous picket line. My name is Mauricio Perez. I'm an organizer with Local 63 on the Amazon campaign. We've been trying to organize this company for the better half, two, three years now. And uh, we are over here at KSBD. This is the air hub for Amazon in the Inland Empire. We're in San Bernardino, California right now. So what's happening today in particular? So this right here is an extension of a picket line that Local 396 out of Los Angeles um, struck up because we have upwards of 80 drivers out of the Palmdale facility um, that signed a contract, they negotiated it, and Amazon was like, well, you know what, we're not going to honor this, so they just fired them. So a Teamster out on the street is a slight to all, every single Teamster in the Brotherhood, right? So we took up our, you know, arms, so to speak, and then uh, we came out. We've been supporting them on weekly strikes, weekly pickets, whatever it is. So this is an extension from Palmdale all the way down here. So we have a few of the uh, Palmdale drivers that were laid off, so to speak, or just straight up fired here on the line right now. Um, so we keep in contact with them whenever, you know, they feel like they like need more support. I mean, you can see the numbers out here. And an empire is going to, you know, come, come to the rescue. So have you been having uh, uh, strike lines at other facilities, too, yeah. in the area? so over the, the summer, we've had facility uh, strike lines over there at ONT2, ONT5, which is on the other side of the 3rd Street, so on the other side of Tipica No, on the south side of this. We've had um, ONT1, which is in Miraloma. I mean, Amazon has 40-plus facilities in the area, you know. Right, right. Case in point, this is the most polluted place in the whole entire country, you know, because right. we're housing like this, you know. Right. Um, so... Amazon being the exploiter that, that they are, they not they not only exploit the the environmental issues that we have in, in the area, they also exploit the labor that that they so desperately need here, right? So it's time to turn the tables on them. We've we've been doing that, we've been doing a good job at it. These these uh, members in here at KSBD actually they've been active in their uh, petitioning the like boss, right? So this past week uh, Amazon came out with their wage review in the area, right? So you know, they go warehouse to warehouse asking, uh, telling them what their new wage is going to be, you know, dollar raise, dollar twenty-five, whatever cost of living that they, they think is suitable, right? This one here, through, through, through their actions at KSBD, they've actually um, got the biggest raise in the area, mm. 25 cents more than everybody else. They're at 175 more than everybody else. But the starting wage here is still 1975. 
right. So, but it's a good example of what organizing can result yeah, in, right? That yeah. they, they've had walkouts, they've had all kinds of internal organizing, mm -hmm. and that's paid off already, and, and literally paid off already. It's, in, it's in literally team. paid off, um, but that's just the whole thing. So once, once, because we, we we have been talking to some workers on the inside, and they're they're saying that their efforts, you know. Um, are seen in the wage review that they have got the biggest one in the area, you know, at a 40 plus when theirs is the, the highest, that's saying something. The, the company is is saying, like, we hear you, you know, maybe there's a quarter more, which is insulting in and of itself, you know, because that all, all that does is just pay for the, doesn't even pay for the uh, rise of gas prices in the area, right? So... It, it's yeah. important to mention too. So, 1975 in some parts of the country that might sound like you know a halfway decent wage, right? Really, almost nowhere anymore. But but it might sound like a halfway. But if you think about that in California terms, uh, with gas prices at six dollars uh, a gallon, with rent that you know small apartments two thousand dollars. I mean, so the cost of living here. I mean, that's a that's a poverty wage. Mm -hmm. It's. I mean, look. In the in the area too, the these these workers see that the Teamsters just just ratified a contract with UPS, their direct competitor, right. and they're saying that part-time employees starting at UPS are now minimum 21 everywhere in the country. Right. Still, for this area, not enough. But someone in Louisville making $21 an hour, right. someone in the Midwest in Nebraska, $21 an hour is life-changing. Right. So if it's life changing for, for some people over there and Amazon can't afford it, Amazon is a way bigger company than, than UPS. The only difference is that they, they are not represented by a Teamsters union or any union for that matter, you know? Right, right, right. So that uh, message of the, that the uh, UPS contract uh, is delivered of what can happen when you organize, that's getting across. You hear that uh, being talked about the Amazon workers? Yeah, we, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're hearing that from the inside and saying, like, hey, why don't we listen to, like, what the teamsters have to offer because they have gone results in the past and we've been we've been working with them on the inside to like see what what we can get going on here in this area because this this area in san Bernardino, colton highland it is directly affecting the rest of the country there's a reason amazon set 40 different you know facilities here you know ksbd is tied to san Bernardino airport ont's are tied to ontario lax and so on you know this is the like port for the rest of the country we also have long beach ports you know right, stuff like right. that so if, if anywhere we're going to make a statement, it's this area. Right. And it's, Amazon knows that. It's a key point in the whole logistics mm -hmm. network for the country. And, mm -hmm. and that's really the heart of the economy. Mm -hmm. So we've heard, we hear a lot about kind of some of the conditions and so on faced by workers inside uh, these Amazon facilities. I don't think we hear as much about what goes on with the drivers. Can you talk a little bit about what the drivers face? So these, these drivers over here, they were up in Palmdale. I, I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's a lot hotter than it is down here in the desert that we got over here. We live in a valley. Um, it gets upwards of about 110 out here, right? Palmdale in the high desert, it, it gets way worse than that. And we're, we're talking like sm smoldering heat, okay? And for uh, the majority of the time when they're, when they're out there, they get no help. It's just, it's just them. Don't come back unless every single one of these packages is out of your, out of your you know, boxcar, right? So they reached out to us. They said, you know what, it's time that, that we organize and we get Teamsters, uh, we get the Teamsters involved. They got the contract ratified and everything, right? Amazon saw that and said that, you know what, we are we are not their their direct employer. They try to say that they went through another dispatch wow. site, right? Okay. But all the messages coming to them were coming directly from Amazon. So it would be like their their dispatch sending them a message on their little dyad board pretty much. It's like they use everything to like scan packages with it, right? So they have their own personal work phones, right? We have messages that say per Amazon, get all these boxes out or don't come back. You know, don't don't come back unless they're all done. So if they're taking orders from Amazon, you know, how are they not their their employees, right? How is it not Amazon not their their direct employer, right? But that's the I guess legal ground that we're also trying to fight, you know, on that. But Amazon, Amazon's gonna do what Amazon does and continue to exploit until something something comes up, you know. And these actions that we have going on right here and direct cause of what's going on in in Palmdale seem to be working, you know. Yeah. So, and another important uh, point too, I think to make is um, now that you know you have this new contract with uh, with uh, UPS for the Teamsters and so on, the direct competitors to uh, UPS are FedEx and then Amazon. Amazon is one of the lead competitors now mm -hmm. in in package delivery. So, uh, organi workers organizing at Amazon it then creates a conditions where workers across the industry can see their standards raised, right? Even even non-union facilities are going to be forced to see their uh, wages go up. And so because 
if you've got the majority major competitors all having you know with better wages that's going to make an effect on the on the uh, system as a whole yeah well as an example back in 2008 2010 we had a campaign trying to organize the FedEx workers the FedEx drivers right CEO came down said that they were close to a vote the CEO of FedEx came down and said you know what if you guys vote if you guys vote no on this I'll give you a raise, bring you up to standards, right? Back back then, the top rate for UPS drivers was somewhere around the 30s, like low low 30s. Um, they didn't listen to us, and they ended up voting no on it, all right? As soon as they, they voted no, the raise was taken away. They didn't get that in the contract. Like, right, that's right. that's what we were trying to get for them. We were trying to get a guarantee, a, a guarantee of working with dignity, working with wages, and work a pension, all the, all the great stuff, you know, that that some of us don't even know that, you know, because I walked into this job, you know, I, I'm, I'm a UPS driver as well, but I walked into this job and then all of a sudden I got benefits, pension and all that stuff. I was 18, I was a young kid, I didn't know, right? But we were trying to get that for them and then, you know, CEO comes in or management come, comes in and just they could just lie. They could just lie and just get their way and then um, hopefully they can learn from that mistake. These, these Amazon drivers over here, they seem to understand that. They like they are fighting back against these union busting tactics from the from the employer, right? So hopefully it works out better for them for all our sake. It's 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 right. not just right. it's it this affects everybody in the community. You know, right. this is the biggest employer in the area. Right. right? Why not have your uh, the whole labor in the area benefit from this big company coming in? Like I'm not anti Amazon worker, right? I'm pro Amazon worker. I'm anti I'm anti Amazon the company. I hate I hate for what they stand for, because right. this is what it is. Like they, like they would exploit. Like I, I, I tell them, they would fire you for a five hundred dollar bonus, like less, less than. They'll fire you for a day off. Right. You know, it's, it's just sickening when you think about these guys. But my name is Stephen Robertson. I'm an organizer out of uh, Team Tours Local 63. We are here supporting uh, the 396 Palmdale drivers. This is a picket line extension on their strike from Palmdale. Uh, they organized and got their first contract just a few months ago in July, June, July. And uh, Amazon responded by terminating the contract with that DSP and putting them all on the street. Obviously, you have a company that you know, makes half a trillion dollars a year, but they don't want to pay their people a living wage or something wrong with that. Something just immoral. And there's a strike line at the Palmdale facility, but you've also been extending the strike line then out to these other Amazon facilities. And we're in this kind of weird area here where there are just dozens of Amazon facilities. It's like Over this. Over 40 in the Inland Empire plus the high desert. It's a crazy amount. Right, right. Um, I mean, every time we blink, a new building opens up. They have a new mega facility opening up in, in uh, South Ontario slash Chino. That's going to be opening up probably by the end of this year. Uh, they're talking about having 12,000 employees there. There's another one in North Montana, and another big one opening up in Victorville. So every single day, there's more and more uh, opening up, more and more DSP, more trucks. Amazon has become such a central company in the in the, in the entire economy. So mm -hmm. making a breakthrough here with workers organizing can really affect the lives of working people broadly, even well beyond Amazon. Absolutely, but it, we can't just focus on one building. You know, as as you've probably been aware, we've been hitting multiple buildings. And there's workers at all of these sites that are uh, asking for help, um, asking for assistance. Um, it's not just at KSB, the airport. It's going to be at all the other locations, too. And it's not until all of these workers have their voices heard that Amazon's going to be forced to listen to it. So one building won't be enough. One DSP is not going to be enough. But all these buildings come together, all these DSP workers coming together. That is how we're going to make our voices heard. We start here in the, in the Inland Empire, and we move all the way across the country. And we have other actions happening too, Denver, uh, Baltimore, Georgia, so we're not the only one. So what you're getting at is, I mean, there, we just said that there's 40 Amazon facilities in this area. If one organizes, uh, that's great, but it doesn't change the overall landscape. No. And the chances are that they'll figure out a way to close that facility or whatever. So unless you organize the whole, you're Correct. not going to make the change. Correct. Anymore. And that's something, you know, we learned in the Walmart campaign is when you're successful at one building, they just close it down. So um, they can't run, though, from all of their buildings. We target all of their buildings, all of their facilities, everyone. And like I said, at every place, workers are clamoring for help. They need help. They understand they're being overworked, underpaid, undervalued. We're here to help them, and we are going to help them. So, so there's definitely a long-term picture and a long-term strategy here about organizing uh, Amazon. 
at the same time, you know, I was talking to a, a, another one of your the organizers, and he was pointing out that the workers here have been organizing, have been holding, you know, uh, over walkouts year. and things like that, and that's had its effect already. They've already seen uh, uh, raises and so on because of that organizing. So. And they it's, actually it's have the, a, they had the largest raise in the country was here at this building, and that's because of their efforts. Right. Well, now was it enough? No, it was partly amount. Dollar seventy-five. Their starting raise still at seventeen dollars an hour. It's still well below a living livable wage. It's still in the poverty level, and um, they deserve more. And they're going to get more, and we're going to help them. Uh, they're going to help themselves, obviously, and we're going to get this done for them. So it's almost like a two-pronged, I'd say, approach, right? You've got the long-term strategy, which is this critical mass of, of, of organizing the whole, uh, but at the same time, even if it's like a minority union, even if it's a, it's a minority of, the, of workers in the facility, using their rights to collective action and so on, they can make incremental changes that improve their working lives while you're working on that long-term strategy. Ab absolutely. The workers don't have to wait to get unionized or have a contract for things to improve. They have the power themselves to demand change in their workplace. And that's what we're trying to encourage, trying to help them do so. Like I said, not just here, but the other buildings. Have you been to any of the other lines yet? I have not, no. We were at Aunt 1 a couple months ago in, uh, in Miro Loma, Aunt 2 and Aunt 5, just on the other side of the airport, and others as well, Santa Clarita, um, at all these locations. We're trying to help them, and they can help mm -hmm. themselves as well. Um, through an organizing committee, through involved members, involved workers, they can demand change, and change will happen. Because in the end, the company needs them more than they need the company. And hopefully this message gets out because uh, not just for workers at Amazon, but you know workers across the economy recognizing and realizing that they have a great deal of power uh, through their collective action. That's just not something I think workers understand broadly in our society. Right? We're a very individualist society. People don't realize the rights they have to collective action. Um, so getting that message out of what can be accomplished, I think, mm -hmm. has the potential of really starting a, you know, a prairie fire, really spreading. Uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm working on another campaign, non-Amazon, a small unit. And we've been working with them for about four months now. They have an election on October 6th coming up in just a week and a half or so. Um, and when we first talked to them, they felt like they should have or are expected to have loyalty towards their company, that they owe something to their company. Well, their company makes billions and billions of dollars a year because of the workers, because of their labor. We should be able to benefit from the fruits of our labor. And people need to understand that. That's a basic concept. Um, another one that I try to explain to them is um, due process, ingrained in our Constitution. Many believe, Founding Fathers, that it was an inherent human right, as, as John Adams would say, derived from our Maker, whether or not you believe that, um, but it is essential to us as Americans, due process. But somewhere along the way, all these companies with all their money and all their power said, no, 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 due process, the Constitution doesn't follow you in the workplace. Well, that's one of the most important things about having a contract is you now you have to process through a grievance procedure or something else. Uh, everybody talks about economics, and economics are very important. Benefits, healthcare, very important. But having those simple things like due process, to have your case heard, your voice heard, having the company have the burden of proof to show if you did something wrong, and having a process they have to go through instead of just have them, having them fire you at will is really, really important too. Extending democracy into the workplace. Exactly, exactly. And extending our own constitutional rights, which we enjoy every day as an American, to the workplace. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. As I mentioned earlier, the police eventually took several picketers hostage in order to force the rest to disperse, but not before the picket had largely shut down operations for the day and forced the cancellation of that day's flights. So it definitely had an impact. The union held a similar picket at another facility the following week and plans to continue as long as this is necessary to win Amazon workers their right to organize. Well, that's all for tonight's episode, but you can always find out more by visiting our Facebook page at laborexpress.org. That's laborexpress.org. Labor Express is a nonprofit 501c3 member of IBW Local 1220. The views expressed on Labor Express are those that's produced and not those of IBW. Labor Express is a production of the Committee for Labor Access in Chicago, the world capital of the labor movement. Labor Express is a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network, where people's voices broadcasting worldwide 24 hours a day. Find out more at laborradionetwork.org. The song is our theme is called Worker Songs, written by Ed Pickford and recorded by the Dropkick Murphys. Tune in every Sunday at 8 p.m. or Monday at 11 a.m. on 105.5 FM or lumpenradio.com for more Labor Express.
Hiding 